Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Turning in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to continue to see what... God is saying through the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. Remember, Paul had not seen them in over six years. He is writing to them while he is incarcerated. Um, Paul is locked up uh, for the sake of the gospel. And he is writing a letter to uh, to this church, to these people that he loves. And you remember last week... um, We were saying we were blessing God or praising God for all of the spiritual blessings with which he has blessed us. And we talked about what some of those were, right? That he has chosen us. If you're a follower of Jesus, God called you. He chose you. He loved you. He saves you. And not only that, but you have been adopted into God's family. So through Jesus Christ, God now is your daddy and you are his child and so many and remember we said god has also blessed you now in through christ jesus through your salvation now that you're his son and he is your father guess what that um you have an inheritance your father is the sovereign creator of the entire universe your father is the one who is in charge of all eternity Talked about that again this morning in Sunday school. We talked about it last week, right? Time and space are constructs that God created for our benefit. God lives and operates outside of time and space. I just like to say that because it blows my mind every time I say it, right? And yet God, um, in his rich love for you and through your salvation in Christ Jesus, you have this inheritance that you will enjoy for eternity. So last week we were praising God for all the blessings with which he has blessed us. And then Paul says today, and Jalen, thank you for reading and praying this morning. Um, Selena, thank you for providing us with some worship today. Uh, Parenthetical statement, I should have said it first. So the lady leading the worship is a dear, dear friend of ours. Uh, That is my pastor's church. So Pastor Rick, Janet, and I were all on staff together at Dunkirk Baptist Church for several years. And we used to have a blast, too. We used to cut up, right? And Janet was our worship leader at Dunkirk Baptist Church. If you saw the guy over on the drums, he's rocking the tambourine and the other thing. I don't know what it's called. Uh, That's her husband, Ralph. Um, And so... um, I'm excited that on the Sundays we don't have a worship leader during this interim time. They are live streaming their worship and sharing it with us. Because we meet at different times, we're unable to do it like at the exact same time. It would be fun to do that. Matter of fact, huh? Correct. Yes. So Ralph and Janet and my pastor, they are all serving. We all ended up at different churches and they're serving again together at Emmanuel Church, who also partners with us, by the way. Um, And they send guys up here to do construction. They partner with us financially. So really, they are very invested in graffiti. Uh, Some of you may have met some of them. 
but because, again, because they love Jesus and love the gospel, they love you and me. So it's kind of cool, right? It's not as impersonal as it might seem um, because they know who we are and what we're doing up here. That was a little longer than a parenthetical statement, right? Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesian church. And now Paul is shifting gears in verse 15. And he says, For this reason, I too, having heard of this faith, of the faith in the Lord Jesus that exists among you and your love for all the saints. So Paul is saying, we're praising God, right? We're praising God for all of the blessings and all of the good things that God has given us. So we're thanking God for all those things. So Paul says, not only that, but I'm thanking God for you. He's speaking to the people in the church at Ephesus. And um, he says, I am thanking God and praying for you. So what is this prayer, this prayer that will take place in the next several verses down through 23? We're going to see some things that Paul prays for them um, that are available to you and me as well as followers of Jesus Christ. We're going to see the importance of the church. We're going to see the importance of serving God together and growing. And so in our first slide, Paul says, hey, people are talking. People are talking, guys, but they're talking for all the good reasons. They're talking for all the right reasons, right? Um, so nobody's throwing shade. Paul's saying, people are talking. I heard about you, right? Now, a lot of times when someone says, I heard about what you did, we're like, oh, what are they talking about? Let's see. Did they see me over here? Did they? No, Paul says, I heard about your faith. Paul said, this is a good thing. People are seeing People have seen what Jesus is doing in your lives, both individually and collectively as a church at Ephesus, First Baptist Church at Ephesus, FBC Ephesus. He says, people are talking about it. Why? Because it's not normal. Why? Because y'all are loving each other and acting on your faith and trusting God. He says, this is a good thing. People are talking. Well, let's see what they're saying then. Next slide. This is really cool. If we get this the way in the Greek language, we don't always get the nuances of what Paul is saying. But Paul is saying, because of your vertical relationship, your vertical relationship with Jesus, that is through faith, your vertical relationship with Jesus is impacting and causing you to love the people around you. So your vertical relationship is impacting your horizontal relationships. So here, here it is for you and me. I'm just going to give you application along the way today. Sometimes if I wait till the end, I mess it all up and forget half of it, right? Um, that's a whole nother story. So here's what happens. When you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ, and we are focused and believing in Jesus and trusting him, it should be impacting, this relationship should be impacting these relationships. Now, not just in the church, but everywhere we go, right? But Paul is talking specifically, and so will we, because he's addressing church life, and he's addressing really like good stuff. It's not like a problem, right? Like the church at Corinth, they were getting liquored up, getting drunk. People were sleeping with other people's relatives, and 
And, and oh my gosh, the people at Corinth, they were wild, right? Maybe we'll study Corinthians, it'll be exciting. But at Ephesus, he's saying your relationship with Jesus is impacting your relationships with everyone in your church and, every, and other people are seeing what God is doing in you. So we ask ourselves, I ask myself, is my relationship with Jesus, am I daily walking closely with Jesus in such a way that it causes me to love you? Now, love isn't always easy. We say, oh, they were loving each other. It must have been all just rainbows and sprinkles and, oh, I better stop there, right? No, sometimes love is hard. Sometimes love says, I want to be selfish, but I got to set that aside and care about someone else. Love might be, have to be tough, right? And we might have to confront something in, the, in, in our relationship or in the church, but we do it, we do it in love. And we do it um, the way the Bible calls us to do it. Sometimes love says, I give up my right to myself to minister to someone else in my church because God has told me right now in this moment what that person needs is more important than what I want to do for a moment, for a time, for a season, whatever it might be. But so this idea of love, love doesn't hold grudges. Sometimes in church, you know what? We might let somebody, might let somebody else down in church. I might tell you I'm going to, I'm sure I've done it because I, I, this comes out before I engage this sometimes. And I say, yeah, we'll do this. I'll do this. And you're waiting quietly for me to do it because I told you I was going to do it. And I'm done, done, gone along my merry way. And so you, so you don't want to say anything to me. I've forgotten about it. And, and you might be feeling some type of way, right? And then, so love says, you're going to come to me and say, Pastor, I'm a little disappointed that you told me we were going to do this. And I'm like, and my response should be, hey, I did. I should not tell you something and then not do it. Please forgive me. And then we move on, right? Maybe I fulfill what I told you I was going to do. And maybe you don't hold a grudge against me. Like maybe you don't go tell everybody in the neighborhood, Pastor Charlie's a liar, um, right? But so love sometimes, love is challenging. Sometimes love is hard work. Love is a commitment. Love is action. It's not all rainbows and hugs and sprinkles. So that's what's going on in the church at Ephesus, though, because they were walking closely with Jesus, their faith in Jesus Christ. This vertical relationship impacts all the horizontal relationships. We need to remember that in the church as we love one. We need to remember that. I need to remember that in the church. When I use your name, how we talk about one another, how we relate things. You know, man, I'm so glad Brother Daryl was in church this morning, man. He's my friend. And I saw him at church and we had a nice conversation. And it all sounds good, right? Till I say, but you know what? That brother would pass out sleeping by the time I went up to preach. He must not care about the word of God at all. So, no, he doesn't do that. But so how we talk about one another um, says a lot about how we love one another. And so I don't want to overdo it. But Paul says in verse 15, this exists among you. So what he said in this, it's a specific location, a specific group of people, and a specific time that these people were loving one another in the church and living together or living in the church the way we were supposed to, the way they were supposed to. So we have this idea that people are talking, 
They're talking about my love. Next slide says, they're talking about your active faith. Um, so this word in the Greek language, um, faith is pistuo. And really it, it, it holds this, it's this idea, one, it's active. It's active. And in the Greek language, that means it's something that started to happen and it is continuing to happen in your life and in your relationship with Jesus. So this idea is in a specific place, in a specific time, this is going on, but it's, it's happening specifically in this location. Your faith, this faith that exists among you. I love to hear about uh, people say, you know what, that graffiti church, man, they, they serve people. If somebody says that to me, I'm like the happiest pastor in the world. If somebody's talking about y'all and talking about us, and I hear that, why? Because we know that that's what God's called us to be as a church that serves, right? And, and so in our community, um, I hope that we are actively living out our faith, right, as a church. So he's talking about a specific group in a specific location. So he's saying your faith and your love are evident to the people around you. Now, number two, so people are talking. It's a good thing. Number two, we're going to see two prayer requests and we're going to unpack them a little bit. So in verse 17, and, and Paul does say in 16, look, I never stop giving thanks for you. Nothing makes Paul happier than to see a group of believers that he loved and cared for uh, living out their faith, serving Jesus and, and doing it joyfully, right? Paul says, I give thanks for you all the time. He says, and I'm making mention of you in my prayers. Now, one, this is not the topic. This is Paul praying for these people, and we're going to unpack these requests. But I will say, praying for people specifically, praying for those in your church family will change your relationships with individuals in your church family. When we come together on Wednesday nights and we pray, um, well, we have a prayer meeting um, second Wednesday of every month, and we're in here on Wednesday night praying. When we pray, when I, when I write them down and I pray for specific people, I might give somebody a call to see how they're doing later in the week because I prayed for them. Um, I might just, because I wrote it down and prayed for them on Wednesday, I might actually remember to pray for you on Thursday morning or Friday morning too, right? So, so these folks, uh, I, I think prayer is just key, right? Praying for the direction of our church, praying for our community, praying for our city. We pray against violence, and I won't be mocked or discouraged from that. But I pray, we pray against violence every prayer meeting we have. We pray against violence and death in our city. And we pray that God will bring a revival to our city. And we pray that if God has to, that God will execute discipline and judgment in our city in order to stop what's going on. But mostly we pray that God will save people and people will come to know Jesus and that things will begin to change in our individual communities and then across our city. Prayer, friends, prayer. So Paul is praying for these people. And we're going to unpack this first prayer request. Um, and so Paul says here, he says um, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you two things, a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So he says this spirit of wisdom is literally insight. He's praying that God gives them insight 
An actual Greek word is the one, Sophia is the word for wisdom. And this is something we even saw last week. Go back to verse 8. He says, um, he's talking about we have redemption through Jesus in verse 7. Forgiveness of our sins. And he says, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. So Jesus Christ, God through Jesus just lavished uh, uh, our salvation on us. He gave us our salvation. And he said, but he did it in wisdom and in insight. Here's what this looks like. I'm going to turn back a page and I'm going to read a verse in Galatians 4 verse 6. He's talking to the Galatians about something similar. He's talking about their family relationship with Jesus. He says, verse 6, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So something, the Holy Spirit is involved here. Um, he's saying, I, I pray I pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. This idea of revelation is disclosure or uncovering. I pray that God will uncover and disclose, that God will uncover and disclose these things to you. And what is he talking about here? He says... Um, um, this idea of knowledge, the fullness of knowledge here is, um, oh, next slide. I know there's a couple other verses there, but we'll move on. Listen to what he says here. This is the purpose uh, of the prayer request. If I shared with you Colossians 1 verses 9 and 10, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God's not revealing new revelation or God's not revealing, re revealing things to you that he's not revealing to anyone else. What God is doing is disclosing to you through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit um, what he wants you to hear and learn and understand from his word and put into practice in our lives. So he says, I want you to have this insight and I'm going to pull back the curtain or the Holy Spirit is going to pull back the curtain and disclose these things. To you. So, uh, next slide. Well, we just talked about that. That this revelation is an uncovering, a revealing, and a disclosing. So, God wants us to have the true knowledge about Him and who He is, what He's doing in our lives, what He wants to do in our lives. Um, he wants you to have, He wants to reveal these things to you. And then Paul moves on to the second prayer request. And the second prayer request goes all the way through verses um, 18 through 23. But um, we'll see next here. He says, um, use your words, Charlie. 
I didn't have the verses up on slides. I'm flipping back and forth. I'm old school, turning the pages of my Bible today. Paul says in verse 18, the next request, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what the hope of his calling. So you'll see on the slide here that you are going, we, Paul is praying that we will have an aha moment. You ever have one of those moments in your life where you say, whoo, the light bulb went on. I understood something. Maybe it was something I should have understood a long time ago, right? And the light bulb just goes on. That's exactly, um, that's exactly the words that Paul is using. And, and this is fun. I don't do this all the time, guys. And I'm not, I don't do this all the time. The word is actually like um, fotizo, almost like photo, photograph. It's, it's like the light flashes, the light comes on. He says, I want that the eyes, look at the word picture here that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And whenever we see so that, it denotes, it's talking about purpose. And what God is saying is, I want to instruct, to inform, and teach you to give understanding to. And he says, and then he's going to tell us why in just a moment. But Paul says, I want... I want you to have this aha moment. I'm praying that in your heart and in your spiritual growth, along with this knowledge and wisdom that I am going to give you as well, I want you to have this aha moment. Well, so certainly then um, we have, we're thanking God, right? Paul is thanking God for the Ephesians. He says, look, people are talking. He says, I'm praying for you guys. Um, he gives the first prayer request. Then he, gives the, then he gives the second prayer request. And then he tells them why. I'm praying these things for you. And a lot of times uh, we, we don't get to the, the real life application here. Why? Uh, next slide. Um, he says, and I love it. He says, what is so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. And so listen, hope is a big deal for Christians because we have this hope. And then the Bible, when the Bible uses the word hope, particularly in the New Testament, it is something that we are certain of that just has not yet happened. It's not like I hope I hit the number next week and don't have to work anymore. Because that's really, well, for me, it's not, I don't play the numbers, but but it's not like I'm going to go down to the casino and pull the slot machine and I hope I win. Because I have no idea whether I'll win or not, right? But the hope in the Bible is that we have this hope, we have this certainty, it just hasn't taken place yet, that as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Um, I have this hope um, that the Bible says, and it says right in this passage, that I have an inheritance in the Father because of Jesus. One of the part of my inheritance is, is eternal life. Another part might be that we talked about this morning in Bible study was that I'm going to rule and reign at some level, right? I mean, I might just be, I might just be sweeping the Boone Street Alley in heaven, but, but we're going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ, that we have this hope. And hope is big. Those of us who are in recovery from drugs and alcohol and other challenges that life big challenges that life throws our way, the things, the life-altering things with which we wrestle, sometimes it's easy to lose hope. 
Sometimes you've been out there, we, you, have been out there struggling for so long. You say, man, you know what? I put together a couple of weeks, a month, three or four months of sobriety, and then I just blew it up. And you get discouraged and you give up hope. And sometimes you give up hope a little bit, right? And then you come back a couple days later because we run from God sometimes, right? Rather than just cry out to him right in that moment. And you lose a little bit of hope. But sometimes we lose a whole lot of hope. And we're human in our humanity, I'm saying. And, and man, bad things, challenging things can happen, right? And in recovery, and as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a Christian in recovery, we put, I put my understanding of hope to work, right? Because when all else fails, if people leave me high and dry, and I lose, if I lose my job, if, if, I, if my spouse leaves, anything like that, I have a hope in Jesus Christ that is certain and sure. And I, and I am going to spend eternity with Jesus. This life is temporary. The author in our Bible study said this life is a dot and eternity is a line. And he says, live for the line, not for the dot. He said, living for the, living for the line, living is giving. or he, That's what he was talking about. But live for the line and not for the dot. That's what hope is. That's what hope is. And so when you're a Christian, when you become a follower of Jesus, you haven't just done a religious exercise that provides you with fire insurance. We have hope, Romans 5 tells us, we have hope both for today and for eternity. The hope for today is that if the Holy Spirit resides in you, you know that Jesus loves you, that, that God will turn this thing around in your life. Amen? Today could be day one of the rest of your life um, in sobriety and recovery. Today could be the day that says that you just say, I'm not quitting. The road might be bumpy ahead, but you, today this might be the day that God reveals this to you and you say, today's the day I'm not going to quit. I'm just not going to quit. Don't think about tomorrow, next week, next month. Today I'm not going to quit. That's what hope is. So because, because believers are called by God into his family, they have hope. I quoted the writer of this big old thick book that I'm reading while I'm studying Ephesians, but I really liked that. We are summoned, we are invited in, and we are adopted. That's the language that's being used. That's why we have hope. In a couple of chapters, you're going to hear this verse. Paul's still talking to these same Christians, and he says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you, implore you, beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility, gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance. He says, um, he says this because he, he knows, uh, he wants them to have this hope. Hope in the calling with which you have been called. Um, so we talk about calling just a little bit here um, because Paul talks about it. He says in verse 18, what is the hope of his calling? One, God's called you. Uh, God has called you or is calling you to salvation in Jesus Christ. If not yet, if you're not a Christian yet, maybe today will be that day. But then he says to the believers, walk worthy of your calling. That is our hope. 
when we're walking worth that doesn't mean we don't sin that doesn't mean we don't fall down that doesn't mean we don't get discouraged that means that we don't quit we don't give up so i don't want to belabor that but why why that prayer request because paul didn't want any of the believers to give up hope why because your hope is certain in christ jesus it's certain it's not like the number it's not like going down a horseshoe it's certain and i think somebody i know i need to hear that on a more uh i need to say that to myself and believe what god says more next b you have a future an eternal one so what he's saying here is we literally we are like god's inheritance the way this is worded the way this is worded here and i did not always understand that i always thought of our inheritance is Part of our inheritance is eternal life. But when Jesus comes back, we are part of his inheritance because God promised him that we are his. And when he comes back, he's coming back to get us. And then we're going to spend eternity with Christ. We are his inheritance. Now, listen to what that means. Man, I'm, maybe I'm a little slow, right? But I read that and I was like, eh, I never thought about it that way. But it's so much more important than that. God has placed great value on you. God redeemed, purchased you at a great cost. This will be fully realized when Christ comes back to earth to receive his inheritance, us, and we will spend eternity with him with him. He saves you because he loves you. He saves you because God places a very high value on your life. The Bible says in Genesis that each and every one of us that have ever come into being on this earth were created, have been created in the image of God. We talk about Imago Dei, how important that is. We sit in this room, and I'm so thrilled when we sit in this room that we don't all just look like one another. I am thrilled that we don't all look alike. Why? Because God, you are created in the very image of God and he has placed a high value on your life just like he has mine. That is what binds us together in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So then you have a future. God has placed a high value on you. And then next, God's power. And we see God's power at work in verses 19 through 23. Um, when he says this, so here's another, here's another of the results or the why. Why is, why is Paul praying this for these people? Because he wants you to have hope. He wants you to know that you have a future, to not lose hope. And he also wants you to understand God's power that is available to you. So um, literally... Um, the word means here to throw over or beyond the mark. So whatever the goal is, God's power takes you beyond that goal. Actually, to exceed expectations and excel. To exceed expectations and excel. So these are in the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. God has given us power in our salvation in Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit to go beyond even our own goals. Some of us need to set our goals a little higher to begin with, but God, God's going to blow the doors off of them if we let him, amen? To exceed expectations. 
God through the Holy Spirit will even exceed our own expectations and cause us to excel how and why because he makes this great power available to you next slide so often that word in the Greek language literally means dynamite now you know dynamite wasn't created till many many centuries later right so literally it's another word that means power um, but the dunamis is where we get that word from dynamite we think of a big explosion but really what what the Paul and what the Bible is talking about here is this great power to go beyond next slide God's power is directed toward those of us who believe it is not potential energy it is active it's active energy God's power is at your disposal why is that important because in the power of God and through the Holy Spirit guess what uh, I can stay sober I can stay clean why because God's doing it in me God is doing his will and his work right he's working in me so he can work through me right and he wants to do that for you too so this power that God has is available to his children is a very practical thing as well we can have put God's power to work in our lives to live victoriously to overcome sin to fight depression to be successful and victorious in our recoveries whatever it might be in your life and mine it is not potential energy it's like oh no it's active energy it's there for it's taking action now the combined meaning of the descriptions of this power is that it gives the ability to overcome I'm gonna try something and if I fail miserably you'll all forget about it by next week and we'll be okay but how do these words um, Honer says it here and I knew I, I wouldn't get it right how do these words for power relate to each other all four of them are closely related and overlap now so first it speaks of the inherent strength of the power possessed God possesses this power and he makes it available to us so that we can possess it secondly secondly it's, it's close but denotes even more emphatically the presence and significance of the strength or force of the power here it is better said the ability to overcome resistance the power of God literally in your life gives you and me the ability to overcome resistance and then thirdly he stresses the activity of power and I said that already I guess that is power in action and lastly found earlier in the verse is a capacity in view of its ability or potential power as well I know that God through his power will give me the ability to overcome and to live victoriously see sometimes we can preach and teach the truth in our church and you and I can still go home and scratch our heads and say so what Paul makes these two prayer requests he's praying for these people that you know he's excited about what God's doing in their church and in their lives and he prays this because 
for them because he doesn't want them to lose hope. He wants them to know that every day they have hope no matter what comes their way. And then he, he wants them to know that through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, they have power. You could have that power in your life to overcome and to live in that power in the Spirit. And then in lastly, number four, what we will see is God's power on display. We will see that he brought about this power in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Listen, your Savior, your Savior is ruling over the entire earth. He's ruling over the universes beyond. Your Savior who loves you, saves you, knows your name and places a high value on you is rules over all the evil that we see. Let's, let's be honest. Sometimes we have doubts, right? Sometimes we have doubts. In our city, when we have 350 murders a year, sometimes we say, God, where are you, right? God says, I am here. So we know that God has placed all rule and authority and power and dominion in Jesus' hand. And Jesus is our Savior. Therefore, therefore, um, um, that is available to us. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. And Jesus Christ, in verse 22, we see, is the head over all things to the church. So Jesus Christ is the head of the church and we are his body. That's an important thing we're going to get into in Ephesians here because if Jesus is the head of the church and, and I'm a finger and she's a toe and you're an arm and he's an eye and he's an ear, and the Bible talks about that in our spiritual gifts passages, that, that we all have a purpose in God's church. And we all, God has called each and every one of us. So if you're not here, if you're not here doing your part, uh, something's missing in God's church. Yeah, whether it's a finger, an arm, an elbow, an eyeball, who knows, right? So, so, he, so he put all things under Jesus' feet. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, which is his body, verse 23. So now we have this picture. Jesus is the head. We are the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus Christ is first, last, and in the middle. And there's some theology there. And, and you'll be glad I'm going to stop in a minute, maybe. But, but you have this hope in Christ Jesus. You have power in Christ Jesus. That means that you have the power and the ability to live in victory over whatever it is that challenges you. If you're God's child and you're saved, Jesus doesn't kick you out of the club because you sinned yesterday. Jesus won't even kick you out of the club if you sinned on the way over here this morning. Man, my mom and dad had some of their worst fights ever on the way to church. <laughs> trying to get four kids out the house with some clothes on and some breakfast and into the car. I'm gonna, I can't tell you what they said. Some, but we, we all laugh about it now. My mom and dad love Jesus, right? Oh, some of the worst things ever, worst fights ever on the way to church, right? Oh my goodness gracious, makes me giggle now. But... Listen, my friend, because of Jesus and because of our salvation, right, we have, we have hope. And he told these believers, again, your active faith and your love for one another. Man, people are excited. People will get excited. Not only will they get excited about it, but people will want to be part of that. If we're doing that here at Graffiti Church, there are people who will come 
And they will want to be part of that because they will see what God is doing in our church and in our lives. Let's let what you and I do and say be be God's power on display this week. God's power. And if you're discouraged, depressed, angry, let down, bummed out, ready to quit, don't. Because of the hope that God gives us through Jesus Christ, don't lose hope today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.